Welcome to Attack of the Queerwolf. I'm Michael. I'm Nay. I'm Brennan. Hello. <laughs> All right, so we have a very thick show tonight. We have a lot to get through. Double C thick. I wish I could do like paper sounds to show how thick it is. Um, <laughs> um, so we have a really fun show tonight and we have some great people with us and I want to bring them in right away. Uh, first, we have a guest co-host tonight. Um, welcome Hi. back to the show, Joelle. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, yes. especially on this episode. Yes. I'm super excited. So yeah. glad to have you yes. back. You may remember Joelle from our Heavenly Creatures episode. Yes. So good. Oh, so sexy. I did. I it's my favorite. It was, really it was came to me right as my sexual awakening was happening, and I was like, I love lesbians. <laughs> Murderers. <laughs> Maybe I am yes, one. Lesbian it's amazing. <laughs> So Joelle will be joining us from time to time. Um, this hopefully the first of many. Yes, please. Appearances. <laughs> um, and I'm also really excited because we have a guest guest tonight. And I have a little breakdown Ooh. for you. What? So our guest tonight is one of my favorite people on earth. She's brilliant, hilarious, bold, sassy, and knows what the fuck she wants. Yes. She has produced many <laughs> Emmy... <laughs> She has produced many Emmy-winning shows, including Family Eye, American Dad, and Cosmos, which also won the Peabody Award for Educational Content. She runs a very successful, hilarious, enlightening blog, Teen Sleuth, and also has written for the Huffington Post. Her professional resume is one for the books, and so is her philanthropic one, as she's done work to protect animals, the environment, women, and many other things. Everyone, please welcome my dear friend, a queer ally icon, and a walking thesaurus, Caravallo. Aww, do you want me to send you it tomorrow yes please thank you thank you for having me and and i'm sorry that i had to bail on the stepford wives but i had weirdly had a freak case of laryngitis yeah oh no yeah it was bizarre yeah and famously not great for podcasts (laughs) (laughs) i know i was like "Um, i can still do it i feel okay I'm like, but I, I can't really can't talk. speak. <laughs> but I'm glad it forced you guys all to watch it because it's such a good movie. Yeah, and it was a good show. But I'm like, actually, more excited that we're doing this movie with yeah. you. Oh yeah, like knowing you that was really deep, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad, and yeah. we can talk about Stepford through this because they kind of well, they're written. Yeah, the books are written by, by the same. Written, yeah, so genius, um, American underrated American author. Oh, great author. Um, but before we get into that, what's everyone been watching, reading, listening to, doing? Why don't you kick us off, Michael? Me? Yeah. Oh, man. Hot seat. Um, I don't have anything. What have okay. I Okay, that's fine. Sorry. No, I mean, I've been... Okay, so I, I will say this every week until the show is over, um, but I'm still <laughs> in totally... Lo- meaning the show that I'm about to bring up, not okay. this show. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the act continued to amazes me week in and week out. I'm to start that show it's so hard to watch it's like it's one of the hardest things i've ever sat through as far as like watching something have you watched all the the documentaries oh yeah yeah Yeah, me too like it's such a horrible story but there's something about munchausen by proxy where i'm like give me (laughs) me too yeah um have you been watching the act i haven't watched it yet okay so it's hard to watch because it's so fucking accurate how their performances are. Like yeah. Patricia Arquette is that woman. 
Um, Chloe Sevigny drinking and smoking. <laughs> Automatic slam dunk. Who does she play? She plays the neighbor across the street. Nice. Mm. Like nosy neighbor, like figuring yes. out. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I really <laughs> I have a huge crush on Chloe. Yeah. So, you know. She's so great in it. Like one of her first scenes in the, the first episode, it's just like, boom, you know who her character is. And <sighs> it's her. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but Joey King plays Gypsy and she just continues to like break my heart amaze the hell out of me and also scared the absolute shit out of me all within like 50 minutes. Are you predicting awards for these ladies or at least noms for these ladies? I read this really great article that Patricia is a lock, but that especially in the category, which is limited series, it's such a, there's not a big history with that category yet. Is that the Ryan Murphy? Yeah. (laughs) And it's like been dominated by Ryan Murphy division. (laughs) It really is. He created it. He essentially did create it. I did not realize that he had created it. He, uh, with his shows, they essentially had to create this like limited category, but it's been dominated by veterans. So I was reading this article and it was literally like, please don't forget about Joey King. Um, I hope she does. I, I don't know if it, this article, just the brief history of the category leads me to believe that she won't, but she should because she steals the show from Trish Arquette. Listen, but have you been watching Fosse Verdon? No, not yet. Michelle could for sure wipe categories with her performance. I'm currently working on a piece. I'm just really frustrated. Like, I don't care about Bob Fosse's journey at all in this show. I'm like, <laughs> we have seen genius men do stupid things and destroy their relationships and then like win. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one cares. Verdon's out here like <laughs> raising a child by herself, trying to dance in her 40s, doing it successfully, trying to launch a new, like, straightforward acting. Like, all of her storyline is so gripping and, and interesting. And Michelle, the thing she's just doing with her face, the way she, like, reads people without, like, a lot of dialogue in which to read them. Because Verdon's, like, you know, very nice and friendly and every, like, all the stories about her. Like, oh, she's just, like, a lovely human being. But she's tearing this man to shreds in, like, very subtle, Someone like, 1960s ladies way. tweeted, like, <laughs> Perfect. a nonverbal thing that she did with her hands and her face where was, she's crying in the corner or no it was like a hand movement like almost like a fuck you but it was just yes. like her turning around mm-hmm. and I, I like gasped when i saw she it. has another like, moment <gasps> like that where she's crying <laughs> but she like isn't wiping her face it's like a, or yeah, a like natural inclination like, yes, yes i that saw that too. Oh, like, it's bitch. so <laughs> damn good there's a scene on the beach where she is reading her husband for like he cheated on her and he's like i can't finish the film without you she's like you picked a great location you're a stunning director look at this beach it's beautiful the only thing is i still don't believe your performance i don't think she- i was like what is happening like it's so snarky and mean and like <laughs> she's so great right in the heart. Oh. it's it's wonderful and they really should have just made it verdant and like bob ozzy dance in the background or something that's good to hear because i was afraid it was just another like a story about a you know man child you might want to fast forward through a couple of scenes where you're just like like last week's episode which weirdly was like it's a verdant episode but we spent so much time with bob trying to edit um cabaret i was like i get it he's gonna sleep with his assistant there he goes it's happening (laughs) yeah like that's why i couldn't get into the wife did you see the wife with Glenn Close? Mm-hmm. It's because it was like about a crybaby man child for like the first 95 like minutes. Like a woman yes. support the woman exactly. behind the... Yeah. And then she has like her big scene at the end and you're just like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Nay? Anything? Oh, yeah. I watched The Eyes of My Mother. <gasps> oh, as this? recommended by last week's guest. Yes. What's and, that? Uh, it's a movie on... It's on Netflix. <laughs> and it's <laughs> fucking crazy. So I loved it. Well, it's like it? really a horror movie. Oh, and someone can you give a quick, beautiful, it's, it's quick log line. 
Just watch it. Yeah, just watch it. <laughs> I, you know, you know how I don't watch trailers, and yeah, I don't, like, you're yeah. so great about. And I'm not. so I loved that I didn't know anything. <laughs> like I couldn't expect anything about the movie because it's like batshit. <laughs> okay, I'm adding this because I have next movie in our queue is from you. And it's angst because of what you and Jordan were saying. Yes. And we're talking like 1982 foreign film, right? Yeah. Okay. The trailer is a three minute trailer on Shudder. It's (laughs) fucking bonkers. It is. The movie's nuts. I'm like, is this real? I know. It reminds me of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah, it's wild. I remember that. Yeah, that's a fucked up movie. That's a fucked up movie. Yeah, and then I also saw um, something I'll talk about later with Brennan. I'm so excited. (laughs) And I watched Halloween 3 this week. Oh, classic. Yeah, Brian had never seen it. (gasps) What did he think? He thought it was so weird. He's right. But <laughs> he like he's like, I kind of liked that movie. And I'm like, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Have you ever seen Halloween 3, Kara? No. It's so weird. I think you'd love it. Really? It's like a weird <laughs> druids or like. Where's Myers in his arc? But in this is without Mar- Myers. So Myers. Who is it? Wait, what yeah. who's the killer? Why don't I remember this? There is no killer. The, the it's about like Halloween it's about like masks. an evil Halloween mask maker. It's so bizarre. Okay. So yeah. with Halloween three, they <laughs> attempted for those who are not in the know, they attempted to start an anthology series. So starting with three every year, they were going to do a story on Halloween, but with like different evil. Interesting. And it was an experiment that at the time, critically and commercially, were landed with a thud but over the years especially within like probably the last five i'd say or even three it's found like a brand new audience and people appreciate it and it's become one of the considered one of the better halloween films it's interesting to me as we now approach a universal storytelling uh which is something i talk about a lot recently um the idea of what intrigues us and how stories spin off I would have never thought Halloween would. How much? How far did they get into an anthology series? Just, just the one, and then they went back. <laughs> They're like, nope, five years, not sell, scrap six it. years later, they brought back Michael Myers. Okay, wow. Well, mm-hmm. interesting. It, it suffers from the curse of maligned sequels at the time, in that people slingshot into loving it way too much. That's mm-hmm. tr- absolutely like, true. It's a very fun, crazy movie, but it's. It's not a ten out of ten movie. No, I mean right, none right, of it right, makes right. sense. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of just you're just like connecting the dots, and you're like. <laughs> All right, I'm with oh, you. It's, I'm a, with it's you. a blast. It's a blast. It involves a piece of Stonehenge. Like it's yeah, like it's so weird. <laughs> I'm so excited. And it's like an Irish Irish factory maker. Like it's a factory owner in the small coastal town of California. It's just so, they have a town curfew. It's just so weird. Yeah. Okay. Care anything that you watched recently? Well, You're the queen I've of. I've been uh, watching. Oh, I just watched. I think I mentioned this to you i just watched that um the afterlife on the ricky gervais show on netflix oh yeah which is like rick rich ricky gervais is like the defeated anti-hero whose wife just died of cancer so he's um he's only alive to feed his dog and he's just miserable making everyone's life miserable he's sort of committed to acting like a thundering asshole to everyone in town and it's it's really really good i was surprised it got scathing reviews and every reviewer seemed to be copying the someone else's review they all said Mm. the exact same thing and um i thought it was really really good and it's Mm. um he says his like thing is like a it's a 
you know, he'll, he has a good day when he doesn't want to run around and like shoot everyone in the face and murder everybody. And, <laughs> I feel and it's that. sort of like a, like a, a village <laughs> of, of idiots. Okay. And like everyone is sort of like a, you know, the mailman's an idiot. And like, there's like the local street walker <laughs> is an idiot. And then he, and then he just, and he's so just, he's so devastated and over it. He, at some point he just decides to do heroin because he meets this junkie and he's like well okay and so he starts like doing heroin and like feeling really good for a little while and join the euphoria but it's just it's it quite like an interesting it's quite good study. it's excellent i i recommend it um kara is a huge fan of made for tv movies too so like Ooh. we share like i'll get like a, a chat from her and it'll be like a 1981 made for tv movie that's like fully on youtube yes <laughs> it's an excellent genre <laughs> it really is the <laughs> old ones especially were really well done you know, people, it's, it's a great format. It's so great. People Across the Lake is what I watched recently. What was that? It's about people across the lake. <laughs> and like, it, I mean, I'm sure I've seen it. There's like a murderer across the lake. It's <laughs> essentially like Rear Window or like any one of those kind of movies, but it's like people staring across That's the farther lake. away. <laughs> yes. It's so great. And of course it has Patty Duke in it. Is it Lifetime? Uh, <clears throat> I think it was one of the major broadcast networks because it was like uh, the mid eighties. Uh-huh. I'm always fascinated looking those up too because you can sometimes find like the old ratings for those movies, and you'll see that like some of them like had like 30 million viewers when it premiered on network television. And you're like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I liked when they were in it like an event <laughs> in the movie. Well, the movie itself was an event be- yeah. before mm-hmm. cable, and they were yeah when there was like everyone was watching the same thing. Yeah. There was three options, and one yeah. was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. So, Brennan. As I take upon my funereal somber tones, this is the end of producer Brennan's La Llorona Corner. It's been so enjoyable. Oh, thank you so much. Truly. Yeah, I've been... Watching and reviewing every film based on La Llorona, and we're finally at the Curse of La Llorona, and I would like to welcome a very special special guest. Her name is Nay. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. I'm so excited to have someone to talk to about one of these movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely saw it, too. Okay, that's, that's... So when did it come out? Just this past Friday? Yeah, it came and out it this past Friday. number one. Oh, good for It made okay. $26 million. Yeah, it sure yeah. did. Mm, um, it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I always wanted to make it clear from the beginning that I wasn't necessarily excited for The Curse of La Llorona. I just wanted an excuse to explore these movies. And I was right not to be super excited for The Curse of La Llorona. Um, I was listening to last week's episode that I wasn't on. Mm-hmm. And I lost my shit this morning in the bathroom getting ready for work. That's A good place to do it. Where you said they were, what did you say? It made me laugh really hard. You said something to the effect like, the genesis of these films came from a really good place and then Americans got their hands. Oh, yeah, they sure did. <laughs> um, and this is something like that. I was like, that's so oh, true. God. Yeah, this that's is true another, of so many things. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, another example of that. I mean, it literally everything in this movie is bullshit <laughs> um, in terms of. They cherry pick all of the coolest looking parts of Mexican brujeria, which is the witchcraft. Um, And so they're like, oh, they do stuff with eggs. We're not going to research what they do with the eggs, but eggs are great. Keep them in. Like, here's something he's going to shake around. And La Llorona is like allergic to some sort of seeds from a tree that was next to her. (laughs) (laughs) Like as a a human. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that witnessed 
her, her demise. A tree. Yeah. Got it. It's um. They're very clearly <laughs> making up the rules as they go along. And literally, if you want a better egg scene involving a bruja, look at Candyman Three: Day of the Dead. <laughs> Um, and also, <laughs> just generally a much better movie, <laughs> which is not high praise. Um, so, Nate, was there? Any- I liked it. You liked it. Okay. I, I, well, I thought it was really fun to watch. Yeah, it kept my attention. Many other like the Conjuring films, right? It's yeah. It's, well, I mean, Annabelle's literally in this movie. Oh, she is. Yeah. She what? has a, she has a brief she has a cameo. cameo. Yeah. The kid. I think the kids are really good in it. Yeah, they're solid. Yeah. The and, cast is generally I mean, I love good. Linda yeah. Cardellini. Yeah, yeah. No, like she's. I can't, I can't wait for her show that comes out in like two weeks. Or With Christina week, Applegate, yes. I just saw a poster for that today, and I got <laughs> like, really excited. Yeah, Sorry, I can't wait. Sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. Um, but no, like her kind of tense roars of screams as she's defending her children are really good. Yeah, her, you feel but it. she sucks so bad at it. At, at defending <laughs> her children, like <laughs> all of. The- Time and time again, like some really, really fucked up shit would happen to her kids, and I'll be like, "You were gone again." She just oh, yeah, keeps yeah. leaving her kids alone. <laughs> also, when when like they when they lock yes. when they lock the kids in a closet to try and defend them, um, she's like, "I'm gonna stand guard downstairs, away from the closet, <laughs> yeah, in another room with the door shut while talking to a man." Like, and by it, the way, it's insane. I probably should have said spoiler warning. Oh, but yeah. who cares? You, well, this we're, movie is not, not going to be ruined for uh, anybody. Uh, this is more as window dressing yes, than spoilers, yeah. I would say. Let's avoid actual yeah. spoilers. But I will say um, Patricia Velasquez is serving some real Penelope Cruz in the beginning of Gothica realness. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, I forgot she was in Gothica. Oh, yeah. oh I love Gothica. So that movie's good. fun. Yeah. That's um, so true. Ugh, I, I liked a lot of it. Yeah, I, I I think my big problem with it, I mean, I just always really want a good Yorona movie that actually understands anything about of the lore. her or her yeah. lore or her character yeah. or anything. And this is obviously not one of them. It's kind of forced into the James Wan produced framework in this Conjuring franchise. Is it part or, of the Conjuring franchise? It is. It's Annabelle's part of the universe. It. If it makes a lot Conjuring of money. Conjuring universe. Yes. That's <laughs> I call it. It's, yeah. it's yeah. in the extended universe. It's like how Supergirl's I mean, kind of in the DC in universe. The... the the priest character is from one of the Annabelle. Films, yes, correct? he's from Annabelle. Okay. Yeah. So it is. Whether they whether they say it is or not, it's part of the it's part of the Yes. Universe. I'm surprised um, they didn't advertise it as part of the universe. It says. It says the like, universe. From the oh, it says from the, the conjuring producers conjuring of the conjuring universe. Oh. It's yeah, it's kinda I if I think it's trying to do like a an ending of split kind of shock a little bit, but mm. like everybody knows. Um but <laughs> but the thing about these conjuring movies is that they're almost annoyingly Catholic in um <laughs> And I agree with you. Look, a, a lot of the culture in Mexico and like La Llorona is built around Catholicism and that kind of thing. But La Llorona and kind of brujeria exist in this kind of separate sphere that doesn't necessarily belong in the Catholic sphere. Obviously, in Mexico, those things kind of get crossed and things like that. But it's just it feels wrong. Hmm. It doesn't work. It's not a creepy nun. It's La Llorona and leave her alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mercado for the rap uh, essentially said the same thing and she kind of filled in like how her childhood here in LA and, and growing up with those stories um, kind of impacted her her hopes and expectations oh for God. the movie it's just like oh, yeah. so like this is my boogeyman and it's weird that this is what we got like a whitewashed version of it oh absolutely the director and though he he is not mexican oh he's not he his his name is michael chavez i believe he's he hails from maybe spain but he is not okay. a mexican mm. national in 
it shows. <laughs> um, but no, I like I'm with Nate. It was you know like a decent time in the theater. Yeah. I think I was coming at it from a different oh, he's lens. Conjuring three, he sure. Yeah, is. it was like number twenty in your series of yeah. Watches. Look, I I have come a long way. It's yeah. obviously not towards the bottom of the list of movies that I. Is watched, it better like, than the animated one that I am desperately seeking? <laughs> oh no no no! It's not better than that. I- your review of that one was so exciting. I was like, I have to watch this movie. It's Sounds awful, but amazing. Nutballs. <laughs> um, I mean, and I'd also recommend a movie that I was honestly kind of on the fence on, but shares the name of this movie. It's from 1963 called La Maldición de la Llorona. Oh. And in English, it was called The Curse of the Crying Woman. Um, there's a really easily available English dub, and that's a much more fun movie okay. also. So yeah, um, just, to, just to sum up, Candyman 3, great. Mm-hmm. Um, La Maldición de la Llorona. <laughs> Very good. This movie, fine. All right, so Wikipedia includes it as part of the Conjuring franchise now and calls it the sixth film in the franchise. Yeah. Annabelle Comes Home looks fun as fuck, though. Oh, oh yeah. That is the first yeah. line for all the Annabelle Comes movies. Out this yeah. summer. Me too. And I do love yeah. the Conjuring movies, actually. Oh, yeah, me too. That relationship between Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga is so good. <gasps> so good, and she just died. So sad. The, the, oh, real, the real woman. woman. Oh, yes. Okay, it's like, Lorraine no, Vera Farmiga Lorraine is Lorraine fine. Lorraine. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I honestly, okay, so that new Godzilla trailer came out, and she has yes. a bit of voiceover in it. I, like, believe everything she says. It's true. She's going to be the Brian Cranston of this movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> She's like, going to be the one thing holding together she could come up to me and be like you're four foot one okay Okay. thanks vera i feel like all the farmingos have this her sister Teresa too has that thing where she just says stuff and you're like believable but i was watching the conjuring because i heard that voiceover so that night i got home and i wanted vera in my life sure Mm -hmm. so i started watching the conjuring and like she is so good like she's such a good actor that like she could sell you on it and that movie without her, I think, would be total bullshit. Yeah, I agree. And she... I like the husband a lot. Anyway. I mean, I like I like the entire yes. cast, yeah, but there's something about her that grounds it in reality to me that makes you go, this is really happening. The, the film people. seems predicated on her fear as a mother mm-hmm. and also her religiosity, whereas his is... He's like, yes, I'm religious, and this is how we battle things. But for her, it, there's clearly like a deeper connection to. Yeah, her I face. like his matter of fact. Uh, like, I like their, mm-hmm. the juxtaposition between the two of them doing essentially the same thing. Totally, you know. Which I mean, I mean, I love the Conjuring too. Patrick Wilson with the guitar. <sighs> that scene, new scene. The appearance of the Thin Man was not okay for me. Guys, will lay down now. <laughs> Don't like it. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, that that that's that for that. Yeah. Um, well, I might have a little bonus like extra from next time. It's not a movie review, but okay. I might have a little list I've prepared, but that's for, for next, next week. Yeah. Okay. I just don't, I don't want it to die yet. Okay. What? Brennan. It, oh, the La Llorona. He's corner. been talking oh, about okay. these for like right. how many weeks now? God, it feels 12? like forever. Um, probably 12. Yeah. Give her 10 take. or 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to miss her. <laughs> <laughs> when you did Children of the Corn before that. I did. Now you need to find another long running. I do, but also I don't, I don't want to be the like marathon guy necessarily. Cause I don't want to go into something if I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Like I don't want to force myself to do it. Right. So it'll come when it comes. Okay. You <laughs> yeah. take your time. You do. Thank you. We care about your well being. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Well, we're here to talk about an amazing film. Um, do we have a trailer? 
Honestly, all the trailers I could find online had a really shitty audio. Okay. Um, well, then I can play a little bit of the lullaby while we're talking. Yes, sure. Yes, please. Yeah. Well, the film you're talking about today was written for the screen and directed by Roman Polanski, based on the novel by Ira Levin, produced by William Castle, which I totally forgot oh, when yeah. I saw the title card. I like actually went. <laughs> Uh, stars Mia Farrow, Ruth Gordon, who won an Oscar for her performance, and John Cassavetes. It was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And it was also nominated for four Golden Globes, Ruth Gordon also winning for Best Supporting Actress there, too. Everybody, we are talking Rosemary's Baby. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. And there is so mm-hmm. much to talk mm-hmm. about. So first, Kara, put you yeah. on the hot seat. Kara picked this movie. I did. Why? I love this movie. And I have... So I have an idea in my head. This is, and it goes back to when I was going to be hosting, co-hosting the podcast about the Stafford wives, but where there, I have an idea that there was maybe like a canon of movies in the seventies that, um, but like it would be, you would be hard pressed to find movies today that depicted men so awfully as Mm. in a movie, as in, the husband in The Stafford Wives and the husband in Rosemary's Baby. Um, I don't even know if you could get away with it now. We need to get back to that. No, I know. <laughs> Tyler Perry's movies <laughs> are the closest thing I can I think of. Exactly. <laughs> but then he'll do exactly. a movie where it's but like, like a woman cheats on her husband and gives her AIDS. Yeah, right. Tyler's right. messy. <laughs> I mean, a, a husband like sells off his wife's uterus to Satanists to get a part in like some play like a yeah. broadway play and it's a challenging part because he needs to use crutches it's super <laughs> it's just so hard for it's him. not even like a pain like it's, a high pain gig uh-huh. <laughs> no and it's you know it's just and that's your shady it, summary by the way that's my shady summary <laughs> yeah, exactly yes um but it, like i had a, a friend and we said talk about like where some of these movies maybe like a government plot to get women back in the workforce in, in, in the seventies. Cause they depicted men so grotesquely. And if you think about the, what's the husband's name in Stafford wives? Guy. No. Or, um, that Walter. Oh yeah. Like hit for the head hideous. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, she, and uh, you know, the, the idea of them even like together romantically is so disgusting, <laughs> but someone who, who sells, you know, basically t- slaughters his wife and turns her into a robot and then a a you know two bit actor who sells his wife's body to Satanists. Um you know, there it's they're the the most de- this despicable depictions of, of husbands that I can I can think of in movies. Can you think of any current movies where anything remotely like that happens? It's uh, a good question. I, I no, always find it fascinating when older movies do do that. Because we talked about a movie recently. Um, what was that Talia Shire film? Windows? Windows. And like <laughs> the cop is like a skeezy, disgusting creep in that. Mm-hmm. But I always find it fascinating. And I, and I this is probably a bad example because Rosemary's Baby, it's clear that guy is like a prick. But like in that movie, like I feel like is a good example of in today's lens, we realize the guy is actually like a creep and he's gaslighting this woman who's like being stalked and raped and all these awful things into a relationship. So I always like 
kind of tiptoe around it because I'm like, did they know Guy was gross when they made this movie? I think yes. here they for sure Maybe. did. Yes. Yeah. But there are movies back then where they probably were like, like Windows is a good example where they were like, isn't he just an upstanding cop making sure this woman mm. gets home? And it's like, well, he's actually like going after her when she's at a low point because that's like the time to go after her in his eyes. Yeah, so. I think they absolutely did Here, it for on sure. purpose. Yeah, and sure. with Stepford Wives yeah. also. I mean, I brought in more old reviews. <laughs> we could talk about you know what? <laughs> I bring in old reviews from like from the time period so we could try to get oh, a, a landscape of, of how it was received initially. Yeah, uh, so I brought in Roger Ebert. I have snippets of Pauline Kale, but the New Yorker's stupid and won't release all of her reviews. Oh. <laughs> so let me see. The, you have to, I have to buy a Pauline Kale book so I can have those on hand. But Yeah, I saw yeah. Ebert gave, her, gave it four stars. Ebert loved it. And Kale gave it 100. It was Four out of four as well. Uh, they both liked it. Roger Ebert's uh, review, essentially, I have it saved. Uh, he was essentially saying that um, the way the book version, apparently, when you read it, the ending is shocking. And he gave a lot of kudos um, for writing and directing and the fact that it sort of flow. You knew what was happening, mm-hmm. but you were still like... I want to stop this train the whole time. Oh my God, the phone booth scene. Get out. What yeah, is happening? Right. Who yeah, is standing yeah. outside of it? Yeah. And so oh, that, there's also that fake out in the phone book. Yeah. In the phone booth scene where you think that, you know, the, the, the man standing there. Right. The devil worshiper is, is, um, has locked her in. It's right. so scary. It's so scary. Even and then it's some, some mother dude just waiting for the phone. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting about that is, um, Roman Polanski said one of the biggest changes he made, from the novel to screen was using ambiguity mm-hmm. and he wanted you, the viewer to think at all times that maybe there is just the slightest possibility that Rosemary is actually imagining right. all of this. Can you guys remember um, your first viewing and did that happen for you? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Nah, I don't know. remember, but I don't think so, um, but it is pretty, it, unlike the Stafford wise, which was, based on a book by the same author. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty true to the book. Oh, absolutely. It was, except for the ending, it's pretty much like note by note. Yeah. And well, I, I think to your question, Joelle, also like it, it's hard to approach this movie without knowing it's the movie about the woman who has Satan's child. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> Cause that, you know, that's been going around since 1968. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think we've unofficially become the Ira Levin podcast. <laughs> this and the Stepford Wives right. also wrote Sliver. I wrote which Sliver. We, mm-hmm. we, right. did, we already covered that. Um, Does anyone else have a shady summary, by the way? Oh, um, I do. Does anybody else? Ooh, yeah. kind of. I mean, I would just say, if your man asks if you want to make love, like, first of all, gross. Uh, <laughs> if your man asks if you want to make love... And you say yes, and then he turns the light lights off. What was that? So dump, weird. Dump him. <laughs> dump him. <laughs> dump him. I'm gonna piggyback off Naze and say, if your man has sex with you without permission in your sleep, and then compares it to necrophilia, get out. Yeah, yeah. I know. You it's, it's leave interesting that it was that. That's just like a toss. Like it was long before was marital rape was yeah illegalized, and it's just. You know, she sort of looks hurt, I remember, and she's like, well, you could have waited till tomorrow or something. You didn't have to. And he's just like, off to another subject. Yeah. It's like, I was wasted, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to miss it. How so goddamn creepy. So disgusting. All of it is awful and terrible, but then the comparison to necrophilia, I was like, I'm not a dead, like, what? What? Ew. Ew. No. You. you Do you have, like, a reference for this? Right. Like, that I don't know about? I don't want to know about it. We're done. This is divorce territory for sure. Um, Brennan? 
Oh, yeah. Um, My Shady Summer is a horror film about the disturbing truth that no matter how rich you are, you can't afford walls <laughs> thick enough to not hear your neighbors. <laughs> Bravo. That's really good. Bravo. Thank you. Mine just is sad. White men have not changed. Oh, uh, <laughs> actual. Um, all right. So there is, oh, my God, there's so much. So I don't even know where it starts. It's a like, long ass movie. Yeah, it, it is a really long movie. <laughs> it, okay, I saw Avengers on Tuesday and then I watched this Wednesday and I was like, I remember this feeling so long, but now I'm done. Oh, yeah, because Avengers is like three six hours, hours and, long. Right? Three hours and 12 minutes. This was two hours <laughs> and 16 minutes. Uh, and it did not feel long at all. That's uh, the thing is that like it pulls you in to me immediately. Like mm-hmm. I like, kind of like how it kind of starts off as like this almost. I don't even want to say the director's name, but esque, like maybe lighthearted comedy set in New York and Manhattan. Oh, um, it kind of gives you that flavor in the beginning, well, especially with those, the pink like, title cards. It's got them, right, the yeah. cursive pink title cards yeah. that makes it seem like it's going to be something pretty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I almost like. Is that her humming along in the beginning? Oh, yes, oh, yeah. that is Mia Farrow, yeah, right? Mia Farrow. Oh my god, that like that stuck with so me bad. the first time. Like I noticed that for the first time this time. But I love, like, the setup of, like, cute couple getting their first big apartment in the city. What's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. And it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. it, it's that the birds change over where it could be a wacky screwball rom yeah. and it's hella not. Yeah, like the, the, na- the noises through the wall could have been the wacky neighbor having a party. Yeah, because oh. they're saying wacky things like, rah, 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 I'm a neighbor. <laughs> I don't remember what she said. I couldn't hear anything I she said. I love that. Uh, yeah, the pacing of this film is, is really interesting, I think, because it's you're a full hour in before she takes any kind of stand for herself to your Stepford point. It's like as a, as a woman, as I'm, I'm watching and, and trying to picture my grandmother's like married around this time. And like, what would her relationship with my grandfather be like? And you know, what kind of stuff do we let men get away with now versus then? And like, it, it takes her all the way until I forget the moment where she breaks and she's like, no, I am not doing this anymore. It's when she doesn't want to go to, um, she wants to see Dr. Hill. It's after she has yes. the party. Yeah. Yes. And her girlfriends are like, oh my God, Rosemary. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not normal. Yeah. And then he takes, is it before or after she gets, this is a long movie. She gets the, <laughs> like, she, she, she gets the book from Hutch and then he like hides it from her. And that yeah. sort of seems to be this moment where she's like, okay, I'm completely being treated like a child. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm shelf. done. Yeah. And then it takes us on, it's directly in the middle. And then it takes us in the last, like, 45, 50 minutes is her trying to suss all of her feelings out and escape. And then those last five minutes are such crunchy goodness. <laughs> I actually forgot that the movie had an additional five minutes after the crib. Like there's like Same. maybe 10 minutes after that. I was like, no, the crib is the final shot. And it is, but it's a second yeah. revisit. And I completely mm-hmm. I forgot, forgot I, that reaction. she has that come to like come to Jesus moment. Right. Like, I'm a mom. Lucifer. Oh, it's like, yeah, you're going to be taking care of this baby because you still love it. And that's so, so mind blowing and good. I it's really sort of the most, like, I, the, one of the most, I think the most horrifying moment to me in the, in that movie is not even what she realizes she gave birth to the devil's child is when, at, when the, that, when her doctor fucks her over, Dude. it's like everyone fucked her over. And that's like, that is just, you go to your doctor and you, think that he's on your side and then in walks fucking Saperstein and on all those mm-hmm. men and well, you know it's just even even when you escape the the clutches of the 
cult of the coven, you're still in the cult of the patriarchy who right. does not want to believe you right. or understand your pain. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the disillusionment of, of not only who you can trust, but like she has, that, again, that moment in the phone booth, which for me is sort of like the pinnacle of the film because it's all the emotions and all those. She has like three out of body moments where she speaks to no one. Mm-hmm. And, it's she's at the park sitting on the fountain and mm-hmm. I forget what her direct lines are, but it's, she's basically saying it's going to be okay. Like we're just going to do this and it's going to be fine. And then the moment during the actual rape where she's like, my God, this is not a dream. It's happening, which I don't know if there's a more horrifying moment in cinema history than that moment um, to be awake, but still in a dream and to visualize it in that way. And then for it to be the most awful thing that can happen to a person, it's, startling and horrifying but then you have that great moment in the phone booth where she's like they're all witches and she doesn't like even up to that point like she doesn't she doesn't know what she is caring per se right mm-hmm. i mean she's realizing that all all the forces are lined up against her and that it has to do with her her pregnancy right um she think but she's still maybe thinking that the coven wants their their ba- her baby for the blood right, or something right. or for oh, a sacrifice. Yeah. She doesn't know what it is until she sees She doesn't know that her actual womb has been co-opted. Yeah. Right? Until the end. Until they tell her. Until they tell her who the father is. Right. She's like, yeah, that's not his eyes. They're like, you're not Satan is the dad, if you don't remember. <laughs> Adoy. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> Jesus. So there's a clip I want to play. Um I literally my note is just literally just says Guy Woodhouse is a fucking dick. <laughs> Um, I, I literally don't know which name. clip you're pulling up right it's, now because uh, it's the any of these. Dessert clip. Ah, when they're eating the chocolate mouse. Oh. 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 Sorry, everything makes me so pissed off in this movie. Undertaste. That's silly, honey. There Don't is no undertaste. There is. Come Could on, you? the old bat slaved all day. Now eat it. I like it. It's delicious. Here comes the airplane. Hey, you can have it. <laughs> I don't eat it. There's always something wrong. And it like just escalates. Oh, if it's gonna turn into a big thing. Look, if you really can't stand it, just don't mm. eat it. It's delicious. No undertaste at all. Would you turn the record over, please? This is when she sneaks it into her napkin. Like, there, Daddy. Do I get a gold star? You get two of them. So, Nay, what were you thinking when you were watching that? Uh, just how I really wish someone would tell me what I will and won't eat. <laughs> At my own dinner table. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, obviously, like many people, I feel like I've spent a lot of time in my life doing what I'm told. Yep. I was raised in church every day of the damn week, like constantly being, you know, told to do something and doing it so that I would avoid trouble and hell, mm-hmm. you know. And I just, I feel like it has sprung me to the other side of this thing where I'm just like 150% rebellion at all times. And I just, I was just so angry Mm. and I'm just so glad that like, that is my reaction to someone telling me or my imagined reaction to someone telling me that I have to finish something I don't want to finish. Right. And then I just got so grateful to be somewhere in my life where (laughs) like no one can tell me what the fuck to do. Isn't that a great feeling? Like, (laughs) I say this all the time in my house, like, nobody can, I can do whatever I want. You're an adult, an independent adult, and you can do whatever you want. Yes. It's, yeah, I'm not eating the fucking chocolate mousse. (laughs) It's like bizarre to think because there's so many people out there that don't have that, like, autonomy. Sure. You know, and, like, this whole movie is about just, like, it's like what you said, Kara, like, essentially having your body and your space and your 
house and your life, just like every aspect of it, just taken from you. I actually took notes of every time, and I, I won't go through all of them because it's essentially the whole There's movie. A million of them, but every time somebody <laughs> belittled or made Everybody. her think something different, oh, it is her haircut. Like so, the oh haircut God. conversation destroyed <laughs> me as somebody who's like, very connected so to her. Not she only does she like look more amazing. gay friends, is what I kept thinking. She <laughs> needs well. She needs, so there were a couple. Okay, friends. there's so many things to yeah. say. Uh, the point where her she was talking to her doc, a lot of the doctor stuff, especially knowing what we know now about how doctors tend not to believe women, particularly if you're black women, particularly if you're fat black women. Um, kind of, it's it's awful, but I don't see it frequently in film in the ways that doctors can abuse their positions of power. And mm-hmm. um, when she's like, you know, I'm not going outside anymore. It's, you don't need to go outside. What? <laughs> don't <laughs> my read. quality of life is so low. Why would you ever tell somebody who's capable of going outside? It's fine. Just stay in. You literally no, tell her healthy. not to read books. Yeah. Her <laughs> pain, which again, if you've ever. It'll be able, been to, <laughs> uh, my, the thing that stuck with me most, not to interrupt you, no, no, go for it. but when he was like, it'll go away in two days. I like literally wanted to throw the remote at the, com- yeah. the, the TV and be like, how the fuck do you know? Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, but again, if, you, if you're a woman, you've never been doctor, to the doctor with like a legitimate pain and been excused essentially before any actual like investigation of that pain has happened. I broke my back in 2012. Oh, wow. It took six months and almost being paralyzed for someone to take that seriously. It took a nurse being like, do you have these symptoms? You have to go to surgery right now. You cannot know. They were going to give me a shot and send me home. And she was like, no, we're booking the room right now. Yeah, you have to have surgery. Almost lost my legs. Fun. Holy um, shit. Yeah. So like when I, the first thing when I see this movie, that's always what resonates is the way that doctors are constantly like, oh yeah, I don't, a, believe you're in pain. And particularly or B, because it's it. a gynecologist. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's like that universal fear, like, of pregnancy. Yes. Right? And, and a woman's, like, most vulnerable state. And particularly, you know, it was in the 1966, whatever. She's this very naive woman, like, with Catholic background, whatever. She has no, she has no agency over her own body. She is turning herself over completely to that fucking OBGYN, yeah. you know, Satan worshiper. So she is going to be like, oh, I'll drink those shakes from my neighbor, neighbor? No, you know, like, that you're friends with. There's and, so many moments where I'm like, I'm like trying to figure out where her line is because it seems to, like it's it's hard to watch it because you're just like, what are you doing? Like when she trusts the doctor, the, I mean, she the has people freak out that you're about, afraid of recommended you to this guy. I don't understand why you would go confide in him about them. Well, she does Eventually go to this other doctor and he just sells her down the river also. I mean, she finally kind of takes, you know, control. She realizes something's happening and this, you know, Dr. Saperstein is, you know, a piece of shit. (laughs) But then it's like, oh, no. You know, I, he's he, he's the greatest. You know, he's the greatest gynecologist in town. Yeah, especially you know, when she was like, in. you wouldn't expect. He's like, you certainly wouldn't write that crazy right. bitch exactly. off. I was like, what the and hell? It also, it all, it all stems from, like, there were so many times in the movie where I'm like, why? Why? You know, like you said, like, mm-hmm. you hate these neighbors, but you're going to their doctor, and it's all because of Guy. Mm-hmm. He went, he did a complete 180 <laughs> from getting friendly. to dinner, because he, you know, obviously... I always take that scene where she's in the kitchen doing dishes with mm-hmm. um, Millie that he's essentially pitching them on. Right. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Can I have your wife's uterus for yeah. the next nine months? Um, and it's just like so – it's such a 1960s and 70s and like – I mean I know it still happens today, but it's just like dutiful wife. Yeah. You know, and like she's like begging him. I don't want to go, but like she still goes and like even like is how it all starts – 
he's being a dick to her because his career is finally going. Mm-hmm. She's upset with him. And then he decides, well, let, now it's time to have a baby. I'm so sorry, boo. Let me just really focus on you here. Yeah. So we have that clip if we want to play that too. Uh, I thought, no, maybe. Actually, so. I think I missed that one. I'm okay, so that's okay. But um, there's that scene I where he literally <laughs> is like, I'm sorry I've been a dick. Let's have a baby. And she's like, you mean it? And it's just like, oh. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, oh, there's so many like little moments where you're like, wait a minute. Like, I timed it. Sir, if you haven't been paying attention, you don't know when I'm ovulating. How do you, you timed it that we're going to get pregnant, right, in these two days that you circled? No, that wasn't you, sir. That was Minnie. When I told her I was on my period, it was day one. And Minnie did the calculations. There's, like, uh, just. Minnie. I called her Millie. Yeah, there's just so many (laughs) moments with, God, what a No, I mean, it's definitely the the whole subtext of the movie is there's this sort of naively happy woman who's, you know, relies entirely on all these men in her life. Um, like the wisdom of her husband, who's, you know, the weak <laughs> man, an actor, her doctor, and those old, like, neighbors, and only to find that they're all actively conspiring against her and using her. It's just, it's well, there it is. I guess I'm trying to pinpoint where her agency starts and ends, and where, like, do you think she ever had fun? Was this ever love? Or did he pick her, and she was like, well... I've been picked now, so this is who I'm with. I mean, because I, I have such trouble finding like where the love is for her. And well, I, I think part of like um, an example of that kind of lack of love is kind of her rote reciting of his credits of like, oh, here's how you know Guy Woodhouse. He was in Nobody Loves an Albatross. He yes. was in Luther. He did some TV. Like you can tell she's just used to explaining him and kind of you know handing the microphone to him, mm-hmm. but she doesn't care about. Well, there's even like a, the only time she shows like genuine happiness to me is in the beginning of the movie when she's like, let's get that apartment. Can we please get that apartment? But she's like begging him like he's her father. Mm. And uh, well, he's going to have final say because she can't sign anything or also, open up an account without him. So. She can't have a credit card. But is yeah. it just me or does like, does he already seem completely put out by her? Like he doesn't seem to like her either. Like, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have any love for her. It's kind of what he does. Like. Well, it's well, clear he does not love her. We're right. I mean, we're seeing it through the eyes of after he was made a pact with the Satanists. Right? Yeah. We don't see that much But even prior up to, to then, that. he's just kind of like, okay, we can get the apartment. And then, like, when she wants to make love, he, like, systematically, like, takes his clothes off. That scene is chilling. Like, yeah. It's just like, and, I, and Brian and I were discussing, like, is it supposed to represent just, like, they're so deep into their marriage that it's become, like... Routine. Like another routine that they do, or is it just this is how this guy has been? That's just the way married life is. I mean, it's <laughs> what do you think? Banal and that's definitely how those people have sex <laughs> every single Lights time. Off. From Quiet the first time to the last time, <laughs> that's how they have sex. Also, like, have we swept this floor yet? <laughs> like, I just the idea of my bare skin on the on this floor was the sixties. You know, there's little crumbs and stuff Hardwood in my back. Like, too, I right? just, yeah, I so just, good for your back. Yeah, there's no Swiffer up in this. And then they're like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I found a shelf, and she puts it on the floor, and they eat on that. I'm like, did that one inch help you? <laughs> I, I do love a move-in picnic, though. Like when you don't have any furniture set up, and oh, you just like such, eat some pizza on the kitchen floor. Like, that's kind of nice. You're cute. Yeah. Have you never oh. done this? I, I like it. That too. It's classic. Yeah, it's cute. It I used of to sitcoms. Move. I used to move every single year. I've had many of pizza <laughs> box on the floor. Like, just eat it. We're tired. We're oh, done moving fun. now. I mean, it's all, that whole montage, the apartment makeover montage is also, it's like, I mean, 
I'm obsessed with that apartment. Well, oh. yeah, I mean, of course. Right? Like, it's, and it's it used to be connected to the other ridiculously right? large <laughs> apartment where there are four apartments in this giant complex. How did it work? I love it. I love it. So um, to go back to like her like agency, Kara, I know you and I had talked earlier before the show about some of the casting. Mm-hmm. And Nay and Brennan, what did you guys think of like – the Satanist cast. The Satanist cast is all older. Everyone around her is older. She's the youngest person in the movie. And mm-hmm. do you think that was like, what do you, what do you think of that? I mean, I, I think it was honestly, obviously a genuine decision by Roman Polanski. Um, but do you think that played into her, her decision making? Well, yeah, especially she's always made to look so young and naive. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. You know, yeah. That's why they chose her. Yeah, totally. Well, so. Yeah, and I think this movie's a lot about how the institutions that are already in place are not there for your benefit, even though they're trying to convince you that they are. Um, the whole movie's about her learning about that, but she has no reason to believe that they don't have her best interests at heart in the beginning. Right. Well, you know, it's one of the things, is, uh, it, to that point, it's it's one of the few movies that told is told really effectively from a woman's point of view, right? right? the whole time. And that's sort of what makes it more, it, like, rend- like residents more and, like, has more... You know, it's just more more chilling to me because it's she is a sort of naive, extremely naive woman who's coming to this determination of something and yet, who has a very like a Catholic girl school background coming to terms with the fact that these, everyone in her life is a Satanist, like everybody, <laughs> yeah. even including her personal doctor. Damn. Ooh. I, Actually, yeah. Oh, and it's, no, it's OK. I, I think it's also interesting. uh this is pre-satanic panic, but it's not pre the youth is going down this weird and very scary road. And so to flip those scripts, the especially when you have that scene with all of her friends, which is like the greatest sigh of relief of like, yeah, get right? the hell out, bad husband. Like, right. you lock that door. Right. Like, He's peeking in the kitchen. Like, yeah. get the fuck. Yeah, he's demanding to be. He's like, I just need to watch this. No, you've been monitoring yeah, her first time you're going to do a fucking dish in your life, in dickhead. 70,000 years, sir. Uh, <laughs> and it is, to me, like, there are moments where I'm just not sure if it's a time difference or if it's only men were involved in creating this story. But, like, I just sincerely feel like women would be like, we need to get you to a doctor tonight. Like we're getting you out of the house or I'm going to come pick you up tomorrow and I'm going to make sure you get to see a doctor and that you're good. And I like, there's just so much, she has so many female friends that I really feel like she would have turned to them earlier or that they would have stuck around longer afterwards to be like, we're, we're going to protect you because the things we're seeing are crazy. You're in pain and you're pregnant. That's never a good sign. Yeah, like, but they isolated right. her before that. Cause like how you mentioned earlier, the doctor saying like, don't leave the house. Don't read books. Right. Like don't talk to your crazy. Yeah. Friends, like literally sure. you're like, they, right. they don't listen to I mean, he, he literally says to her, don't listen. Don't take advice from your friends who've been pregnant. Drunk bitches like, or something. Yeah. I think is what he said. Like, yeah. like literally like all, she's being gaslighted by every single person in her life. Yeah, fucking crazy. The isolation Mm. and the way it's done so slowly, and how it just kind of peeks out here and there. Like you gave me a dead girl's necklace. It's weird. It smells bad, but I'm not going to trust my better judgment. Mm. I think that's really the horror story. If you took it, you have to wear it. Is what he said to her. Yeah, well, all all of the ways that you are made to feel smaller and insecure. I think emotional abuse is again something not seen very often in films, and when it is, it's almost always 
pretty immediately followed by physical violence. And while there is one great act of physical violence in this film. When he rapes her? Yeah. For the most part, it's emotional abuse. For the most mm-hmm. part, it's deny your inner thoughts. <laughs> right. And I think it was that it wasn't that uncommon at you know, the time like that was around the time my mom was getting married and having kids and stuff. And she, she's a doctor and she wasn't allowed to sign anything. And, so you know, it was, it, it was, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. It's like sort of our, our contemporary being in the sixties and seventies, but it was, you know, pre um, ERA and, you know, women's protection laws and, you know, yeah. and she obviously, I think she talks about, Having grown up in I like some small Omaha, town, some Omaha, and something then like that. Ha- went to Catholic school or something. Yeah, was, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, moved to the big city by this dude, and yeah. Because do we get a sense? Any of you remember? Do we get a sense of where they met and no. when they started dating or anything? We just kind of get a short summary of no. He's from here. I'm but from there. Presumably, yeah. it was New York. But I think he was. Oh, where they? Because yeah, because he was from Baltimore, right? So they wouldn't have met in either no, their hometowns. Crossover. But you, it's it's hard to imagine her picking up her bags and being like, "I'm going to move to New York by myself." Right? Like, like I can't imagine her like doing that with like her father, assuming he's alive. Right? You know what I mean? Being like, "Bye, Dad," and him not mm-hmm. being like, "You ain't going." <laughs> I let's choose this. Assume that he's dead, and she has no <laughs> idea. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to bring up about this movie is that there's so much subtext packed into every corner of this. I mean, admittedly mm-hmm. long film. Um, I think that everybody can get something completely different out of it. Like I'm hearing like what Joel is picking out versus what Carrie's picking out versus what Michael is picking out. They're all very different things. I want to hear, Nay, is there anything that you have like were thinking about watching this movie that you feel like hasn't been mentioned yet? No, not that it hasn't been mentioned. Um, I really, in this moment just now, was thinking so much about films with emotional abuse in them. Oh, yeah. Um, aren't necessarily followed by a bunch of physical violence besides, like you said, the, the rapes, like the biggest physical violence. Um, I think that's so true. And I, I was someone that was raised uh, where you were supposed to act that way with your husband. You were supposed to be submissive mm. and you were supposed to, um, my mom would tell me like, and... you know, like when you have a husband, he's, he's the boss. Did she, would she say, say Come, that to you? Yes. Oh, Coming from my yeah. mom who like, ain't like, she hates men. I'm like, I don't even know why you were, I don't know why you were trying to like play me like that. Tell me how you feel. Okay. Um, but I, th- I remember my mom being someone who, and, and people in that church group saying that like, you can't rape your wife. And mm. I remember one day my mom telling me that, and I was grown. I was like, she didn't know I was having sex yet, but I was having sex. And <laughs> she was like, you know, well, you can't, a husband can't rape his wife. And I was like, are you telling me? Right now, that if I came to you and I told you, mom, so-and-so, my husband, (laughs) (laughs) my husband had sex with me last night and I did not want to have sex with him. Like, he raped me. He really hurt me. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, you wouldn't be mad. You would be like, he's allowed to do that. And she literally stopped and was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, mom, it's not good. Like, it's not okay. Like, I mean, it shouldn't have to be me in those shoes for you to know that. But, you know, better late than never, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, and I think it's a lot of people still think this way. And oh, yeah. I think it's so striking to um, me because sometimes I wonder, like, what if I had gotten married very young, like so many of my classmates or people that I grew up with, um, 
Like, at what point would I have broke his and the kids' hearts by having to leave them all <laughs> for a woman? <laughs> and I just, I get so grateful that something happened for me where I got to leave all of that behind and 100%. have the kind of life that I want to have, but especially didn't. And maybe I wouldn't have ended up with a horrible man, but like in my mind, they're all horrible. And I would have ended up, I would have ended up with Watching one of them and I would have had to do what he said. I just like, can't even well, who knows, like, what kind of like environment you would have even created for yourself. Yeah. Staying. And like, I think about that all the time. If I had just stayed in the closet and stayed in Ohio, and, yeah. like, would I be married and have children right now and hate every single person? Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. just the thoughts of that. And I'm like, and I love my mother, but like when I'm home, I hear her say stuff like, you shouldn't be working anyway. She'll say that to like one of my sisters or like, she'll say that about, yeah. Like you should be home with the kids. Like, or he needs to, he, you know, like none of you should be working. Oh, she doesn't have a job. That's great. She shouldn't be working anyway. And it's just like, she wants to like, you know, I wish my mom would say that. She's like, you better get your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. You know, and like, she has a little resentment since my dad died because before my dad died, only two of my sisters worked. Mm-hmm. Two were stay stay at home moms, and now all four of them are working. <clears throat> and she kind of resents the two, especially the one. I think she resents sister. it because it's something she would have liked to have done. I think she, with my dad passing away, um, and my two sisters, who she used to spend a lot of time with during the day, are now working. She doesn't have my dad or them. So she resents that they work. So she like will take like get she's lonely, yeah. and she'll never hear this. So, <laughs> um, but um, she like really takes it out on my sister. Like she's mm. not the nicest to my sister sometimes, and I think it comes from the loneliness and also like you shouldn't be working is what she'll say to her. And it's like my sister's like I, I need to work. <laughs> I love that this movie sort of acts as a a landmark of where we were, and I feel like it would be challenging to gaslight a modern woman in this way you know I what think i mean so from where we are but i wonder not impossible know, it, yeah not impossible but if you have if you're one of the lucky people who has immediate access to the internet and right. can be you know with WebMD, forget about a doctor. <laughs> like, now WebMD says I should not be feeling great like this. Like, I don't. This is wrong, and we, I'm going to yelp this doctor. Oh, so severe pain Terrible is yelp not reviews. part of the first okay, four months right. of pregnancy. Get, get Rosemary a smartphone, please. Um, so, so many options. Um, get her another road away. If I can. So she can at least call people in the other room. But if I can speak to the medical establishment <coughs> part of it really quick, mm. like I, the thing that really struck me the most about watching this movie this time was all of that was about her diminishing her pain was mm-hmm. about people not believing her pain. Like literally when she, her friends see that she's a fucking toothpick, she is gaunt and pale. Like she's a the ghost and circles under eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- eating she, raw meat. Yeah. She literally says, Oh, it's nothing serious. <laughs> oh, it's going to pass. Normal. Um, yeah, liver, like eating raw liver. Yeah. Hey, delicious. It's so Oh, wait, wait, wait. Right. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sir. I'm putting a pin in that really quick. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, no, but I want to say that actually mirrors a lot of my current experience. Because I actually, last week I talked um, when I was with you and Aisha. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about how I have a photosensi- photosensitivity. It leads to a lot of extreme headaches and stress for me. Um, every doctor that I have been to has not 
trusted my input mm-hmm. on how it feels. Um, they're like, oh, you have a photosensitivity? Well, we'll test that. Let's shine a light in your eyes. I'm like, well, that's, um, please don't. Um, they're like, we're going to, I mean, because some of them are like actual tests. It's like, we're going to strap your brain to this thing and put you in a room with a strobe light and see what happens. I'm like, okay, fine. We'll do this because I want to know. But um, beyond the initial testing, everyone's just been like, oh, just, you know, like, just kind of deal with it. Like, use eye drops, drink some water. And like, uh, this is a actual problem i'm having listen do you know Um, what it costs to come here i wouldn't be here if it wasn't serious like fix it yeah to your to your point i I had great great advice if you're at a doctor's office they're not believing you they're trying to send you home to like can you document that you're refusing to test me further make them document it so that most of them because they do not want to be sued or found liable will just Mm -hmm. give Mm -hmm. you the effing test that's have you seen both men male and female doctors uh yes i have actually they both Um, and i've seen neurologists and ophthalmologists and Mm -hmm. everything try a nurse practitioner and get a recommendation nurses listen no they They sit around playing cards (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I like a nurse saved my life. I rock so hard for nurses. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I definitely no, feel I've had and I've had instances with doctors, and as a man, I can only imagine what women oh, go yeah. through. No, and, and I don't mean and to say I'm in any way. No, 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 no. But I've always had better, better experiences with female doctors and male doctors. Oh, absolutely. I have but, not seen a difference. Like, oh, really? <laughs> Truly. Really? I, had a female, I, I told a female doctor when I was 17, something is wrong with me. I just want to sleep all the time. I feel exhausted. And she's like, oh, try losing weight. Man, I've oh. been fat my entire existence. So when I tell you something has changed, I was depressed. <laughs> I was getting all, if you could check mark all of the marks of depression. And she's just like, no, go home. And then she put me on birth control. And I was like... This thing is making me feel crazy. That's not possible. Ten years later, yeah, it makes oh you feel God. like you're nuts. <laughs> it makes you feel more depressed. Oof. I've been so many times to so many doctors to be like, this is a problem with me. And they either send you home. They don't believe that you're in the amount of pain that you say you are. Uh, or it's just like, oh, well, if you lost weight, like it would be fine. No. Sir, I have a cold. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a report of a woman who had like stage four cancer. But she was big and nobody would test her for anything beyond it. They oh were like, God. oh, no, it's just your health. Like, try some cardio. I can't cardio away cancer, bitch. Yeah, like, what are we doing? This not going to go away on a treadmill. No. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I read a lot of studies about women, particularly when it came to cancer. Mm-hmm. It being caught late because doctors for years or months at a time were like... You put a Band-Aid on it, so essentially. so damn aggressive, and I feel like Just Rosemary's so Baby is one of the few films you can turn to if you're mm-hmm. feeling frustration with doctors and be right. like, see? <laughs> see the issues here? <laughs> I it don't want to be Rosemary. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> Just check and see if I have a devil in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when ultrasounds were invented. Well, there, and there was, you know, she, was, she gives birth in that apartment oh, and golly. it's like they say well, your baby You're is dead. dead i'm yeah. like take me to the fucking hospital yeah. right like hello yeah but it's it's so hard to be an advocate for yourself in mm-hmm. terms of that yeah. terms of your pain and that's what that, that that again is why i connected with rosemary like there are a lot of things that i need to deal with my life and my eyes like oh there's a lamp behind you can we switch sides of the table or whatever and i used to be really afraid to ask for that yeah me too and I really related to Rosemary being like, oh, it'll pass in a day or two. Like, I'll just deal with it. Like, tough. I've dealt with it before. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just do it. And like, people are like, so afraid of making waves. Mm. And like, I know I'm guilty of 
I've been guilty of that in the past. In the last year or two, I've really made a conscious choice of asking for what I want. That's so important. Because there's nothing wrong with that. Um, my friend Janine said that to me one day. I was complaining about my agent at the time and just like how he's doing nothing. And I <clears throat> don't feel this. I don't get this. I don't get that. And she just says, fucking tell him. <laughs> Ask for what you want, man. And I just was like, oh, my God. The best advice I've ever gotten was literally like two sentences. It's a superpower. And it's like, and I did and things worked out and I sold a TV show and like all this like amazing stuff happened as a result of me just being like, I don't want to work with you anymore, Mr. Agent. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, why didn't I do that? Like six years ago when I wanted to, I like, you, you just don't. So you, you don't, do. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, cause it is really we're, hard. we're taught at least I was, and I bet you were too with your Christian background to yeah. like, Yes, no, nod, yeah, be polite, like don't make waves, don't cause a scene, mm-hmm. and it's you're you just and asking for what you want seems like it's gonna connect to those things, and it yeah. usually never does, yeah, and I think especially for folks whose bodies are pathologized <clears throat> and who are undervalued mm-hmm. in general, it's like first of all you you have to educate everyone how to treat you. Mm-hmm. Or how you want to be treated. And it, that's and, exhausting. And of course that's exhausting. <laughs> um, but also sometimes I know in my life, similar to uh, what Brennan was talking about, and then you asking for the accommodations that you need can be really scary mm-hmm. if you think that you're bad for needing those. And well, I remember yeah. any kind of accommodation Ugh. that I needed because I had a larger body, I used to be so embarrassed to ask for um, because I thought my body was bad and I had to wait until I got to the point where I was like, there's literally nothing wrong with my body and mm-hmm. certainly none of it's any of your business. But what is your business is that you need to provide me with a chair that my body fits in. Right. Like I don't have to feel bad because <clears throat> I am uh, like outside of these lines that you've created. It's like I for years have tried to change my body. You know, what? it didn't change. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> and this is who I am. And so I need I need this kind of chair. Oh, I oh, that's unacceptable that you threw this party and you didn't tell anyone that there was a flight of stairs. Oh, this is like, these things are, are unacceptable. And even if I hated my body for the things that it makes me need, this is still unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And having the courage to ask for that stuff is so, so hard. Yeah, it is. And and then that's why Rosemary's baby is such a, it's an anything film, really, because Rosemary stands in for women. She stands in for queer people. Like, I I mean, Hutch, gay, right? Um, <laughs> yes. He's gay. But, like, I identify with Rosemary in so many ways because as a queer child, you hide, you keep your mouth shut. And capitulate to somebody. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, as a woman, too, a it's just yeah. that. Yes, I'll eat the, you know, yeah. chocolate mousse that's poisoned, so I'll be raped. You know, you, she knows there's something wrong with it. Right. But she eats it anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, mm, it's so mean, good. It's so devastating. Because, like, it's something as simple as a dessert. And it, like, has such ramifications. And she knows. She it's tastes something's the poison ha- in it. Yeah, something's yeah. going to happen. But she ingests it anyway. Mm. Because Oof. her husband is guilty into eating it. And the way Polanski shoots all of this is like thrilling and fascinating. The he creates these moments like when Hutch comes to the apartment for the first time mm-hmm. and he's just talking to her and she's like you see her kind of mustering up all of this strength like I'm just going to get through 
this conversation. Her husband comes in. She's like, okay, we're going to have to balance these two personalities because I need to play Kate. Both of them, even though Hutch is kind of here for me, he's a guest. And that's something that's clearly important to her, how her guests are treated. So when Hutch gets out, she like has to lean against the doorframe for a moment to try to mm-hmm. breathe. Um, and then she has to muster it all together until her husband decides to leave. And then she just breaks down on the bed. You also have all of these moments of being gaslit where you can't read her husband's face because he's constantly being shot from behind. Mm-hmm. It's not until the end after she has oh, the baby really where he's square in the center, fully facing her. And he starts telling her, like, it's pretty much the same as if the baby had died. So I don't know why you're so upset. That's like, they didn't <sighs> actually hurt you. Right. And they promised me you weren't right. hurt, and you weren't. I was raped, and you stood there while, like, 12 people watched it happen. Raped by the devil. I was hurt. <laughs> okay. I was violently assaulted. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you talking about? And the best thing, like, the most cathartic part of the movie is when she spits in her husband's face. Oh, yeah. I didn't know so if she great. would have it in her. I'm not, I wasn't sure so anything great. was going to happen. And so when he was, like, on his knee being like, and we're going to have that whole life that you really wanted in California, I made that happen for us. Did you? Did I not do all of the, literally all the labor? This movie also made me think of the line, we're having a baby. No, bitch, we are not having a baby. (laughs) Whoever's pregnant is having the baby. That's it. That's one person having the baby. I, like, can't get over the thought, Kara, you brought it up right away, that, like, all of this is for fucking Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really for the studio gig, if we're going to be honest. He needs that part so that he can get the studio. It's all Mm -hmm. to get to Hollywood. I mean, Now that that makes it okay. I can't decide if it's, like, genius. Because is it in the book? I can't remember. Is that the same? He has the same job in the book? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's it's genius. It's brilliant. Because if you think about it, it is such a statement on white maleness. Yes. That it's not, and not that there's any gig he could have that he does for a living that makes it any better. Mm -hmm. But there's something so genius about it Mm -hmm. being acting. Well, you average as hell. Yeah. Right. Like you're not running a charity. You're not fucking running a bank. You're not the head of something. Right. You're fucking trying to be be an actor. Not the greatest actor. Not the world's best. You want to drive the Wells Fargo Reagan? Like, (laughs) fuck you, dude. Like, and like, and that's how much like he's putting his wife for a fucking part in a play. Yeah. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, there's something like nauseating but also like just so genius of ira levin mm. to like choose that profession oh yeah because yeah. like it's like i just literally my note is sure my wife will have the devil's baby so i can get acting jobs it's like a like it's like nachos bel grande but like the white male but also it speaks so much to <laughs> how he values her and where he thinks her value system is at like your uterus is it's something it's I'm willing to barter in exchange. Not only, yeah, it's mine. Yeah. It's something that, you know, it's I the neighbor in it. Right. <laughs> it's not even his. <laughs> right. It's those Jesus. next door neighbors. No, I mean, that we, we haven't even like, talked about the girl they killed because I don't know, was she not compatible? She couldn't get pregnant. Couldn't knows? get pregnant. Like, they or didn't have a partner or... for her. She found out. Like, they killed somebody. They threw her out a window. I always saw that as a blood ritual. The things they got oh. right and the things they got wrong about Wiccan culture was really fascinating to me and, and what they chose to use and what they chose not to use. Um, but yeah, I always saw that as a, like a beginning ritual. It's a sacrifice. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, really? I, thought I, I always thought she didn't talk too much. I was like, they're like, you talk too much. You're like, look at this 300-year-old necklace. It smells weird. Like, 
They're like, maybe they saw Rosemary and they're like, she better. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. But they were definitely Mm -hmm. like, this bitch talks way too much. (laughs) Because remember how um, Rosemary is telling them, like, oh, she has a brother. Oh, he's in. And they're like, right. Oh, you had so many conversations. She's like, no, just that one conversation. (laughs) Just just that one in the laundry room. That lady was brilliant at being nosy. And I just feel like, I know she won the Academy Award, but. Many. Yes, Ruth I Gordon's wonder so how many people still value the level of performance that she gave. The oh, whole thing. So there's good. a moment where she tries to steal her mail when she gets the book, and she's like, "Oh, yeah, oh, oh you picked yeah. your mail up already," uh, which immediately take without anything else, just she her inflection. Tries inflections. to leave with that book. Not only does she try she to, leave, tries with to book, leave with that book, but the mm. inflection suggests that she has been checking her mail every day before she gets uh, a chance yeah. to see it. Oh, you're early today. You got the mail already. Yeah. There's like brilliant, brilliant moments too of like her handing her the tea at the end, like as like a very motherly gesture. No, it's just Lipton's boo. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm uh-huh. not poisoning you tea. anymore. Why are you paranoid? Yeah. But it's just like to turn on a dime like that. Mm. And it's mm. such a great performance. You guys want to know an interesting fact always mm-hmm. about this movie. So Mia Farrow was married to Sinatra when the movie started filming. Mm-hmm. So gross. They, so gross. They want to know why they got divorced? Is it because of this movie? Because she had to do an extra five weeks of shooting, so he left her. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. wanted him. Sinatra, to, classic he, asshole. He wanted her to walk off the film, and she wouldn't. So, mm-hmm. like, body autonomy there. Good this for her. This is my but first like, role, you. you bastard. Well, he didn't want her to do the movie. He, he didn't want her look, to do the movie. He was yeah. looking for something. Like, if <laughs> like you wanted to leave, you just waited for a reason. True. <laughs> Good like, point. Be like, something you knew she wouldn't do. You mentioned like, putting that on your papers. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. leave movies. Well, this one, this right. is my favorite of the Satanists. This is Patsy Kelly, who plays Laura Lee. Oh, yeah. And she was... um. A very interesting person. Out and proud queer person. Out and proud. For those of you who... Before anyone... She was... She had a long-standing affair with Tallulah Bankhead. (gasps) Tallulah! Yes! Joelle, what were you going to say? Uh, For those people who don't know uh, the movie... Or who watch the movie but maybe don't know who we're talking about, she... Uh, is the woman with the round glasses who's Plays rocking Minnie's the baby friend. at yeah. the end who really Knitting. did not want to stop rocking that baby way too hard. That's a newborn. She's sort of the personification <laughs> of banality of evil. She looks like any, you know... School teacher, sixty-year-old woman, like maybe living. She lives upstairs in the building, I guess. And a twelfth floor. Yep. She's yeah. She sticks her tongue out, Rosemary, at the end. So Kara was telling me (laughs) earlier today that um, Polanski's casting when it came to all the Satanists, he sketched. He hired them. He wanted to cast them based on physical appearances only. So he sort of, he did sketches of what he wanted these people to look like. He gave the be, casting director. Yeah, isn't that cool? Like he wanted the most average, that's cool, non-threatening people. Because I was telling Kara, I saw Kara this afternoon, and I was talking to her about the movie, and I said the thing that really struck me this time um, <laughs> while watching it was how everyone in the movie had this like approachability mm-hmm. and like in a weird way, almost like a kindness to them. Like they were non-threatening looking like she's like the woman with her knitting materials and her big glasses. And you kind of like, I want to have a, like, I want to have a soda with this woman. Like, you know, there's some underlying thing, but like when they become Satanist, you realize that same exact look scares the complete shit out of you. Yeah. When she comes into the apartment the first time, it's very non-threatening. Yeah. You don't even get a weird inky feeling off of her. It's very presumptuous and encroaching. They they (laughs) sit down and start knitting. Yeah. So like, you know, there's something with Ruth Gordon, but at the the time I was just like, oh, like, who's this fun knitter? I was so annoyed. I was just, I just, 
the way she has to be involved with them, like the oh, all of a sudden there's dinner, and she has to all of a sudden there's it. this. I don't want them in my house. Yeah, but they have you to need be to there. leave. I don't know why you're setting up the knitting crew right <laughs> I mean, now. There's like, like I got things to do. I'm literally in pain trying to just relax. I mean, there's gaslighting, there's sexual assault, there's no agency, there's body autonomy, there's invasion of privacy, there's emotional ma- manipulations, and there's like classism. There's murder, there's suicide. There's like so many topics in this movie that I can't think of another movie that's covered this many things that did it well mm. and managed to meld them all together into one cohesive story. And like it all happens to one person. Can we talk about the elephant in the room though? Which I when the- I mentioned this to somebody else, we, we were both struck. We're like, how did Roman Polanski make this movie? Like, right. how did this dude who. I mean, you have to talk about it. I, I think an important aspect of this movie is Ira Levin. I think mm-hmm. most of the stuff that we're talking about comes from him. And like Kara mm-hmm. said, um, it's a very faithful adaptation. Yeah, unlike yes. the Stepford Wives, which the Ira Levin's book was much more meaningful mm-hmm. and, um, you know, much more of a feminist that. parable than the movie was, although the movie I thought was very successful also, but it wasn't, but it, it, it didn't really follow the point of the book. But this... Rosemary's Baby, really, it was all there for him. I mean, he did an amazing job with the cinematography and the look and everything. But Yeah, Ira had the blueprint for him. Yeah, the, but, the, the story and the characters are not Roman Polanski's. The yeah. images are. Yeah. But, and it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah. Mm. No, it is. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. understood it. and We've talked about this on the show, though, like taking – taking what you like and leaving the rest. Yeah. And I think a lot to leave. this is probably, I mean, you, you watch the movie. I mean, I, I thought about it probably a dozen times while watching the movie, mm. like mm-hmm. this man directed this movie, you know? And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's a really, it's a deep subject. And I think we could spend three hours just talking about that. I think it just reveals, uh, multitudes and layers. And it's the same kind of way we get shocked or bowled over mm-hmm. by like, Oh, Robin Williams was an alcoholic and he, you know, uh, succeeded in killing himself. Um, but he was a guy that made us laugh so much and brought a lot of joy, like hours and hours of joy into our lives. And I think that it's, it's intriguing to me as we continue to try to have the conversations around, can you separate art from artists? And, and where mm-hmm. does that line drawn? The idea that someone who is capable of creating those horrors was able to recreate those horrors in a visual sense, but make us sympathetic to the victim. It's just, it's, it, I think it will always be shocking, but also it's a, a great reveal of the human condition maybe. Yeah. And yeah. you, you know, owe it to yourself to be able to appreciate and enjoy a movie like that without his, him being like a piece of shit, dragging it down. It is what <laughs> it is. He's not, you know, he's not really re- relevant to that movie anymore in your experience mm-hmm. watching it. And I would never watch anything of his now, (laughs) like new stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, But there's something, there's just so much tragedy involved with this movie, like behind the scenes too. Like with, I mean, his Sharon Tate being killed by essentially Mm -hmm. like what, you know, the Christian right, like God is dead, I think was asked on time in like 1965 or 66. She's reading it in the movie. movie. I always forget about that. And then how like the rise of Satanism in the late 60s, that was another time cover. Um, and I know you mentioned satanic panic earlier mm-hmm. and that really hit its peak, I think in the eighties, yes. but it like went through the seventies and like it started, it's weird to think that like the biggest event to kind of start satanic panic was the Manson murders, which are tied to Blancy mm-hmm. with Sharon Tate. It's mm-hmm. just like, there's so much 
Mm-hmm. There's so much trauma and tragedy surrounding this movie, like They're behind not even the real scenes. Satanist. Do you know how I first heard of this movie? Oh, I want to know. Okay. The from watching, no, from watching Beautician and the Bee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when her old boyfriend is like, you know, we did that musical. Like, so tell me, Rose. Don't <laughs> wait. Oh my god, this embryo. They do a oh musical verse from Satan. <laughs> That's so good. That's well, so good. And I was like, what movie are they talking about? Beautician <laughs> yeah. and the Beast was my movie. The Fran Drescher. Yes. <laughs> So, anything else about the Polanski side of it all from Mm. anybody? Or I think we should move on to Pride Float. So, well, before we Pride Float it, there was um, well, yeah, let's do that first. So, Kara, at the end of the movie, you do. So, at the end of every show, we decide if a movie gets a Pride Float, and if it does, that means it's it's got a lot of positive representation or connection to the queer community. I'm not sure this gets a prize for it. And sometimes we've given, like, we've, have you ever seen Sleepaway Camp? No. Okay, well, we gave that movie community <laughs> service. <laughs> sometimes we just don't give a movie applied pride vote. Like, 1408, you guys just said it. Because it's like super, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like super yeah. homophobic and queerphobic and transphobic and it's oh, okay. just dirty and disgusting and vile. <laughs> Um, so you don't think it gets well, a pride no. float? Well, I, no. I, I guess I didn't understand the pride float. So does it have a good representation or connection to the, the queer, queer community, community at large? At large. I, I personally think it does get a pride float. Um, I don't know about positive queer representation, but I think it does represent um, the... Pain and suffering of what people who are, yeah, powerless people go through. And I think for me, we need to see, we need to see those, that side of queerness and womanhood and everything too. So we don't forget. Totally. And I think Laura Lee gets a pride float. Absolutely. I forgot about her. She was, she was very, she was very, it's very, if she's very interesting out of, the closet like in the 30s yeah which is amazing and it incredible. ruined her career i mean she did she got some parts you know later on in in the 60s she was in freaky yeah. friday with jodie foster <gasps> she won a tony for the revival of no no Nanette, oh, okay. 1971 and i think hutch but, is like a queer a cool queer character even though they kill him yeah that's how Killing it goes guys um but Hutch was, what's interesting about Hutch is he was smart enough to know that he could not visit her. Yes. And he would need to leave the book through word of mouth mm-hmm. so that it could get to her. True. Like Hutch's ability to make sure she didn't land herself in more trouble or in more danger was like brilliant. And I think uh, I wish we had found a way to find more of a spotlight for Hutch in the, maybe like just a scene in the hospital bed, like planning it. Because it's really valuable. Okay, that so. scene where she's has the Scrabble pieces. Love though. it. It's so I wish terri- it went on for so like, terrifying. I wish it went on for another hour. No, yes. he tried to I'm like, yeah. give me more anagram shit. That's my favorite part of Silence yeah. of the Lambs. And I never put that connection together. Like Silence of the Lambs totally pulled that from this movie. Right. But idea. Yes. Joelle. Okay. You know Clark Wolf. Yeah. Love yes. Clark Wolf. <laughs> she um once described the term sidequel. To me, has oh. she ever described that to you? We've described it here on the show before. I feel like I have a good idea of what it is. So it's not a sequel, it's not a remake, but it's like the taking a character and like so like 
Hutch, I want to see his side quote. Yes. I want to see what he's doing while Rosemary's going through all mm-hmm, this shit mm-hmm. and like getting her clues and information and like ending with him getting put in a coma. I love it. You know it. what I mean? Yeah, let's see the witch's comment. Mm-hmm. That would be totally his climax. Call the it come in and- the Hutch. I mean, no, like maybe they can run some workshops on consent and body oh, autonomy okay. and agency. But I really only say no because it's like pride is white enough. Oh, you know, oh my like, God. Okay, like, I'm with you. I take back like my pride. Enough. Enough they is enough. Like, they can go to like. However, they could the offer some really great. It's a very white movie. There's, yeah. Yeah. there's a, the black. Oh, the or, elevator guy? Yeah. Who did, a very, what did white people what do in elevators after black people stopped <laughs> operating them? What was going on with everybody? him? Here's, here's my side story for him. <laughs> this guy has to work it. in the building, and they pay him pretty well. And he's like, listen. He knows uh, something. That are key he means a lot He definitely does know something is going on. Because when he, before he goes out the elevator, he looks around. Mm-hmm. And I think it's meant to give the sense of like, Oh, is there anyone else needs to get on? But it gave me the sense of like these white people are crazy. Right. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know who was coming around the corner. Yeah, me too. Like it was just very <laughs> much. Yeah. And he even gets a second moment at the end or in her dream. Oh, fuck, I forgot to write it down. There he gets a second mm-hmm. moment in here where something interesting is happening with him, and I still don't quite know it's, what it's supposed yeah, to mean. It's not it's fast. Yeah, I don't really, and it's it's yeah. very much not made clear. But he's doing something, and I would totally watch his next thing. I think another cycle. Yes, the elevator I think man we should give a pride float, but just it should be Vidal Sassoon's pride float, oh. and it's just her haircut. Ooh, yes, and the we sassy gay hairdresser yeah, that did it. Oh that. yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, a gay did her hair. Yes, yeah. He's like, get my cut. He's like, look at these cheekbones. I'm going to make them pop. It's going to be amazing. God, yeah. Your big blue eyes are going to just. Ugh. And that guy deserved to be pushed out of a window for not like that. Oh, my that. God. Yes. Jonathan Van is so wrong. I love it. He's like, it's gorgeous. Yes. Oh, it's fabulous. It's Gorgina. gorgeous. I mean, but, people have been imitating that for Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's um, decades. A few. Sorry, Brennan. As for me, for the Pride Flow. Oh, yeah. Real quick, I did. I, I feel very represented by Rosemary. I do. As I feel like I expressed. Um, I. Like, literally, the part where she stops feeling pain for the first time in three months, yeah. I cried yeah. watching that scene. It's such a relief. So, I don't think it needs a pride float, but it, it can get a cool down tent. <laughs> How about pride, pride moments? Cool down tent. <laughs> that sure. is a very emotional part. And I, I reacted to that too this time because it, it, I felt it. I was like, and it was sort of like, like as soon as that out. happened, it was like <laughs> everything else was okay. It's All the other relief. nonsense with. The men, you know, telling her what to do and the pain and mm. her it's the first tears. Time. Yeah, it's the first it's time okay. the audience you're aware, like, oh, the devil is in her, too. Right. Because he's responding to, like, the baby's yeah. responding right. to, like, oh, she's upset. Call mom Right, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm in danger. Yeah. me the hell yeah. out. <laughs> so creepy. So before we sign off, there's a few quotes I wanted to read just because I really like them. Um, the first was Jordan Peele compared Get Out to Rosemary's Baby, Ooh. where Get Out is a film about race. Mm-hmm. where he said Rosemary's Baby is a film about gender. It's about men making decisions about women's bodies behind their backs, which Did I think is a really see, great... Did anyone see maybe a couple years ago when he tweeted yes. Rosemary's Baby in emojis. emojis? Yes. That was genius. Genius. Um, Mira Farrow had this to say for the Criterion Collection. I think it's a great movie, and I don't think I've done another I know I oh. didn't get another role as fine that asked much asked as much of me. And I know I've never worked with a director that was as precise with me. It was the happiest work experience, the most fulfilling thing that I've ever had. Wow. Which I think is pretty hey, great considering amazing. like she left How, yeah. like, mm-hmm. her man for it. Like, mm-hmm. fuck you, Frank Sinatra. Seriously. Seriously. Forever. And Maybe then, it was sort of 
like awakening for her too because you know Sinatra was telling her what to do. What oh, to sure. How yeah. to do oh, your God. hair. She maintained that they were really good friends until he died in 98, but I'm choosing to believe that. Mia Farrell has questionable taste in men and it she would certainly me if she made Beautiful friends, but also... <laughs> and then lastly... I wanted to read this quote that I read in a Vanity Fair article from this year um, about Rosemary's baby through a Me Too 2018-2019's lens. And this person said, and I'm so mad I didn't write down her name because I want to credit her, but we can look up the article. Today it isn't devil worship or the invocation of Satan that troubles the viewer. It's that a man barters his wife's body and and that her destiny has been ruthlessly appropriated and perverted mm-hmm. like sing it yeah. good <laughs> uh, the author of that is laura jacobs thank you mm-hmm, laura you. beautiful so that is exactly the best. <laughs> non-shady summary for rosemary's baby through a 2019 lens i think that's pretty spot on can i throw up uh, roger ebert's little quote about it yeah cool okay so the best thing that can be said about this film, sorry, I scrolled too much, uh, I think is that it works. Plansky has taken a most difficult situation and made it believable right up to the end. In this sense, he even outdoes Hitchcock. Both Rosemary's Baby and Hitchcock's classic Suspicion are about wives deeply in love who are gradually forced to suspect the most sinister and implorable things about their husbands. But Cary Grant in Suspicion was only a bounder and perhaps a murderer, and we didn't, and we didn't. Why do I click things? And we didn't uh, even really believe that since he was Cary Grant. Rosemary, on the other hand, is forced into the most bizarre suspicions about her husband, and we share them and believe them because Polanski exercises his craft so well, we follow him right up to the end and stand there rocking that dreadful cradle. Uh, and if that isn't the damn truth, like uh, I'm like, what is in the cradle? But also like her just want to be a mother from the get-go mm-hmm. solidifies that moment so perfectly. Like the, It's not what you wanted, but it's what you got. I mean, and her... Continued desire to try to make things work. And the fact that even after all this journey, even after spitting in her husband's face, Rosemary essentially has not changed. She is still going to be the woman everyone expects her to be is devastating. It's the scariest part of the movie. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's I mean, that look of horror on her face when she sees what's in the bass nut is like, <laughs> uh, talk about scaring the shit out of audience with just facial expressions. Did anyone else oh. have a memory of seeing the baby or a part of the yes. baby? Yeah, yes. 100%. Nuts. I swear I saw a cloven it's because of or that a look on her face and then the verbal description after, mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. literally remember it as seeing the baby. Yeah, right. it's so it's crazy. It's so brilliant. Everyone convinced everyone else that there was a shot of the baby. Mm-hmm. Looked Nuts. carefully enough. But that wraps up Rosemary's Baby. Otherwise, we could go on for like four more hours. Thank you so much for totally the suggestion. Good. It was time uh, for Joelle, a revival. Thank you for visiting us today. Thank you for having Where me. Where can we find you online? Oh my gosh, everywhere. Mm. Uh, start on Twitter at Joelle Monique. You go to Instagram. There's an underscore <laughs> between the first two names. Guys, I'm in the Hollywood Reporter. This month, what? so yes. yes, I wrote about the hundredth episode of Gotham, which I think is a drastically underrated Batman show. Uh, <laughs> Serious finale was tonight. Yes, it was. Check that out. Uh, also, I did iHeartRadio's uh, The Daily Zeitgeist uh, that aired Friday. So, if you want to hear some old news and my quick take on uh, the Avengers movie, you can go there and do that. Cool, Kara. Nothing for you. Nothing. Teenslose.com is your blog. I kind of wanted to promote a Instagram an Instagram account that's not my own but yeah. I think it's so Feel uh, it's called um fuck what is it called <laughs> uh, look at this Russian 
I think. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's sort of, it's like a parody account of what Westerners think of Russian, like post-Soviet Union <laughs> Russians. Yeah, that's really like funny. Like a drunk baby riding a bear in the in the mud <laughs> and the farm. But it's, they're real, like, pictures and videos, and it is just genius. Okay. Look at this Russian. Look at right this there. Russian? Yeah. How about you, Brennan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's raining brens, and you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod. How about you, Nay? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake. Mm, you can find Nay's art Instagram <laughs> at Gaudy Los Angeles. Yes, <laughs> Gaudy Los Angeles. Yeah, G A U D Y. Thanks. Michael. She does this amazing art. Oh, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you can find me. Are you still on any at your local media? Whole Foods? Um, <laughs> I am on Twitter at Michael Ken Ken. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm on I'm Twitter sorry. anymore. I'm not just on Instagram. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm looking up Gaudi Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, Kara, thanks for bringing us a wonderful movie. Yeah, Joelle, yeah. thanks for being our guest Gaudi host Gaudi. today, and you'll be back next week. Yes, yes. I will. Next week we'll be with yeah. Mr. Adam Robotel discussing oh. Witchboard. I don't know this movie, so I'm very excited. Yes. My <laughs> so until then, thank you, everybody. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.